Okay, I'm putting a comment in the comment. To encourage humans to do the same. Just in case humans uh, watch. My cat's not watching. She does not have a device to watch from the living room. I want, I want non-human audience. That would be really interesting. Yeah. I wonder if there are podcasts for cats. That seems like there would be, right? Well, maybe. Are there TV shows for cats? Mm, I know there's like movies. There's like Netflix things that you can put on that are meant for your cat. Seems very much like a thing they'd make for dogs. 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 Oh, just like good boy. (laughs) (laughs) I want to put that on. (laughs) That would be awesome. Now the cats, I think cat videos would just be like, like squirrels (laughs) and birds. And the cat would just be like, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's the cat chirp, by the way. Yeah. Yep. Oh, good. Do we actually want to start now? Yeah, sure. Cool. Okay. All right. You want to go or me? I can go. Okay. Do it. Hey there. And welcome to Enlightened Couch Potato Podcast Show. Show podcast. Oh, I really like the show thing. It makes me happy. Yeah. Okay, great. The Enlightened Couch Potato Show. Hey, welcome (laughs) to. (laughs) Cut that. Cut that. (laughs) What? Can I go that way this time? I'll go this way this time. (laughs) Well, hello. Right? And welcome to the Enlightened Couch Potato Show. I am Adrienne Gunn. I am Nicholas Rave. Yeah, and we are here to TV deeply, but also... Here in the Enlightened Couch Potato Podcast, we discuss how to watch... Movies and TV for maximum psychological and spiritual development. That's our motto. Yeah, I think the thing that I always want to put personal in, instead of spiritual mm. hangs me up when I attempt to say the thing. Well, I, I like both those because the psychological is a little more grounded, but then spiritual means what you want it to mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I like that juxtaposition there a lot, yeah. actually. Makes sense. Yeah. And sometimes how we do that is we don't necessarily talk about specifically how to watch for the deeper meaning. Uh, I think we've had a number of shows like that recently. Were we? Mm-hmm. Did we talk about serious stuff last time? I don't remember. Is, I think we what did. What day is it? It's, it's Wednesday, right? Mm. What, what year Somewhere. is it? Yeah. Strange times. Mm-hmm. But we still managed to do important things like watch television and movies. Nicholas, what have you been watching? Uh... Well, I'm kind of deep in the middle of some longer series, so I keep seeing the same stuff. So we're still watching Farscape, and it's still amazing. Um, we're, uh, we're watching Futurama. I've already seen both those series before, so it's comfort food to go back to. I've seen Futurama, like, a lot. That's, that's definitely comfort food for me. But it's been a few years. Mm. I watched a really stupid horror movie uh, the night before last, which uh, I really enjoyed, called Event Horizon. Event Horizon. That's uh, hilarious because it also sounds like it could have been titled The Night Before Last. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, Event Horizon was uh, a horror movie that I watched fairly early on in my life, and it didn't occur to me for quite some time that I was like, oh, this is the plot of the video game Doom. Like, almost point for point, except there have been, I think, two movies made 
based on the video game Doom, and they are yeah. both horrible. And uh, Event Horizon is pretty fun. I like it. I can't tell if I've seen that. I don't normally watch horror films, but is it only sort of a horror film? It's a science fiction horror. So uh, the premise is that they make this spaceship that can travel by folding space because it has a black hole inside of it. And then it disappears for seven years and then reappears and there's nobody on the ship. And yeah. so then they go and they, they they realize that the ship has been to hell and came back and it's all um, like evil spaceship. Oh, yeah, I don't know if that rings a bell. It's possible yeah. I've seen it. There's a ton of ton of things that I just watched because it was on. A lot of my life was that. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. On. Also, folding folding the universe is a, a so much easier than having to travel all the light years. Oh yeah. But then again, that's ridiculous when you can just um, transport your consciousness. Oh, uh, are, are we uh, are we <laughs> astral projecting now? I'm just saying. Like, a lot of our technology is based on the idea of, like, oh, my gosh, so many light years. Maybe we have to freeze ourselves and then finally get there and build rockets that are, like, right. big enough for that. And I was like, that's ridiculous. We have all these quantum and other sorts of physicists. Don't they know that it just, like, why do time this way when you can accordion it and just or fold it or spin it around and then jump out the other side? Or why even do any of that fucking traveling if you can just send your essence into something that's already there? Is this something you do on a regular basis? I play with it as a meditation sometimes, mm-hmm. but I also just, um, you know how, you know how many of us just when we're sitting on our couch, we just think we know stuff suddenly and we're yeah. suddenly the expert just because we came up with an idea. Oh, These yeah. These two ideas popped into my head some couple of few years ago. And I'm like, why is everybody building bigger rockets to just go when you yeah. just like, like, isn't the universe malleable and why do we just assume that we have to travel the distance we assume is the thing? That seems dumb. And especially seems dumb when it's physicists coming up with these ideas. It's like, don't they recognize that time is what Jeremy Baramy and all sorts of other things? <laughs> just squish the universe on itself and then you can get from this galaxy. If you go, then it's just not that far. Anyway, yeah. couch, what is that? Couch quarterbacking or something? What is that called? Yeah, armchair quantum physicists is what I usually, (laughs) that's the phrase that I I use, which like I know enough about quantum physics to know that I don't understand it at all. And that the most of the people who say that they do don't. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. But I mean, I find it fascinating. I I watch videos about string theory and quantum physics all the time because I'm just I like learning about the universe. But there definitely are points when I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, like harmonic resonance and vibrational strings uh, vibrating in super structure. Of course. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Which is also to say. Yeah. I found myself walking out in public and, and going to a, a UPS store because I had to ship some returns. <laughs> and I'm underneath my like my face mask and I start hearing myself repeat, okay to go, okay to go, okay to go, okay to go. Because, because I feel like that sometimes. I'm like, okay, somebody can, you can come in. I'm ready. No, you can go. Now I can go. I just found myself like repeating the Jodie Foster. That's a Jodie Foster go. reference. Yeah, okay that's what go. I thought. Mm-hmm. From uh Contact? Contact. Oh, oh God. God, I love that movie. Such a good movie. Yeah, definitely. 
Anyway, um, you, were, you were saying the shows you were watching. Sorry. <laughs> you were talking about um, astral projection, and I, I was gonna, I was Word, gonna yeah. run down that bunny trail for sure. Slightly. Sure. So when I when I was younger, um, one of the things that I used to do as uh, when I was bored, uh, like in a class or um, at church or something like that, is I would um, I would stare in front of me, but then I would imagine floating out of the back of my head and looking down on myself and everyone else. Mm-hmm. And then I would practice just like my eyes are open. So I'm still staring at whatever it is. So it looks like I'm paying attention, but I would just practice being able to get more and more perspective that I couldn't get right. That like physically should be impossible. And um, yeah, so I've done, then I, then years later when I was studying astral projection, I was like, Oh, that's what that is. <laughs> so you just go and do that and then look around. Um, and so that, then so a while ago, I read a book by Robert Anton Wilson, um, who is the patron saint of my other podcast. Um, Robert Anton Wilson, brilliant, brilliant, very uh, unplugged individual, uh, wrote a book called Quantum Trigger, I believe. Hmm. And in it, he talked about <laughs> uh, he talked about how many individuals and cultures have reached a point where for some reason the star in the sky that we call Sirius ends up becoming really significant in a lot of different cultures and traditions and um and esoteric metaphysical weirdness and so he basically said his point was that there seems to be this phenomena that if you learn how to tune into voices and um and astral project and that sort of thing that if you tune your frequency to that star for some reason everybody seems to hear very similar voices and they say very similar things. And his claim, he's very, very agnostic. He's very quick to claim. Yeah. I don't know why. He says, I don't know if there's actually aliens there that we're somehow tuning into. Right. Or maybe for some reason, just pretending that there are aliens there somehow unlocks a very specific part of your unconscious mind or the collective unconscious or who the fuck knows. Right. But he... He made a claim that he's like, you can't dismiss this until you try it. Sure. The other thing that I bump into all of the time is many different spiritually trained humans here who are very certain that their soul is from Sirius. That yes. A, like yes. a huge percentage of the humans here have had, however it happens, uh, evolutions mm-hmm. that are from that star or collections of stars or what mm-hmm. is it? Yeah, yeah I don't know. Yeah, I, when I, for me, I'm, I'm maybe even more agnostic than him. I, yeah. I don't know what's going on. There seems to be something going on, but I'm very skeptical about there being. I mean, I like it's one of these things where I'm like, I'm not saying it doesn't have value right. to do it. I'm just saying, I like when you do channeling and you're talking to your dead grandma. 
I'm not saying that doesn't have value. I'm just saying, in my personal opinion, you're not actually talking to your dead grandma. You're talking to an aspect of your unconscious, which is good because most of the time you're only, even when your grandma was alive, you weren't really talking to her most of the time. You were just talking to the representation of her that you have that lives in your unconscious. So you can still talk to her once she's dead. Plus, Sarah, you know, cellularly, whether you like it or not, your grandma's in you. Yeah, exactly. Like, so there could be even just like unexplored aspects of actually being connected to yeah. the essence of that person yeah. and everybody else from your lineage. Yeah, for me, this comes back to something I talk about a lot called the pretend frame, which I think is so, uh, I, I guess the easiest way, I don't think we've talked about this on this podcast. Um, did we? And we did. We did. When we oh. were talking about how the process works, I was making jokes because often most of the, the, the wisdoms I share come in jokes. I'm working on that. So I was joking that you can try this process that we're describing or you can just pretend yeah. that this you know, works or pretend to try this process. And yeah. Yeah. Well, so the, the one way that I, I like to explain the pretend frame to people as simply as I can is there's a, there's an esoteric writer named Dion fortune and she wrote a book called psychic self-defense and right at the beginning of the book, it says, this is a book about how to protect yourself from curses and entities and energy vampires. And like she lists all these things. And then she says very clearly, the best way to protect yourself from all of these things is to not believe in them. (laughs) because if you don't believe in them they can't hurt you they honestly cannot however she says you have to be careful because sometimes there's a part of you that believes and you're not aware of that part of you and then she goes on to say if you do believe in them here's things you can do to protect yourself and um uh, the way i look at it is the pretend frame is how i view magic and all this kind of stuff is pretend that it's real and Mm -hmm. then see what happens. And what's valuable about that to me is that it makes it so that things like magic work for you instead of you working for magic. And what, what I run into with people who say things like my soul is from Sirius is that often these people live a life where they are very affected by the forces that appear to be in their world out of their control. Yeah. And um, that's where I think the pretend frame protects you is you're like, I don't really believe in it, but I pretend that I believe in it and I get all the benefits and none of the drawbacks. Yeah. Well, and it's presupposing that we're not already pretending a fuck ton of things that are affecting us. uh, Right. We we totally are. I I am in a conflict with a family member and I, um, I, I was very politely, I'm not, it's funny to be in a conflict with a family member and recognize that actually the family member really should be apologizing to me, but isn't aware of that because they're very, very sensitive and they, they've decided that I've done something that I really, I really didn't do. I Mm. really didn't at all. So I was explaining that, that just because you think a thing doesn't make it true. Just because you think a thing affects you, but every thought that we're thinking is something that we made up to mm. explain sensations and things that are happening in our body that we don't necessarily understand. And mm-hmm. the cool news or the shit news is that when you come up with even a shitty version of what you think happened, even a version of something like a thought that describes what happened that makes you feel like crap, 
you get chemical reward in your brain mm. for coming up with a story. And you're like, oh, I did it. I came up with a story. So you get like all the dopamine celebrations, right? I'm great, even if it's a lie. And so I was explaining mm -hmm. how there are more useful lies and delusions you could create that add to connection, that change the, anyway, the paradigm of like, we're all in our own, I don't know, is it projection, illusion, delusions, all of that, none of this. Robert is. Anton Wilson calls them reality tunnels. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all of that mm -hmm. from thinking of astral projecting, which reminded me that a, a friend had sort of happenstantially talked about astrally projecting in sex and that getting really hooky in a bad kind of way. And I was in my state of being an Adrian who usually just lets people tell me what they want to tell me and didn't ask questions. But now I'm thinking I might should have asked more follow-up questions about this astral projecting sex thing. So when you say hooky, what I, I'm not sure what you mean, but what popped into my head was it, this person's cheating on the person that they're having sex with, with someone else. No. But no? What do you mean? No, it just like hooks something about somebody being really uh, like gross with their boundaries and like like a hook in your craw or like a... Like it, it was hooky to you? No, no, no. That's the... See, sadly, I just used the word that my friend used instead of saying what I think the energy of what she was saying was. Just that like things got uncool and dangerous in the astral projecting sex thing. Huh. I mean, I would have I would have jumped on that like piranhas. I don't know. <laughs> like as soon as that, oh, the that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, no, I would have immediately been like, tell me more. What do you mean? Like exactly how 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 would it like I'm soup can you go back and talk to them again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was like, so Six years ago, you were saying this thing. <laughs> Have you done any with that? Like, I, I know somebody who's really curious and he wants to talk to you. Yeah. Well, it's also, the, it's, I was also in the state that I go into when like somebody's talking about a movie that I've not seen or a book I haven't read or like a band I've never yeah. heard of. I'm like, where they're like, oh yeah, yeah. So it was like astrally projecting and sexual and but, like boundaries were crossed, right? And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Astro, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then just like, like I knew what she, I didn't know what she was talking yeah. about, but I was flowing with it because it was like, oh, yeah, 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 Jethro Tull, blah, blah, blah. I hate, that's the flute guy, right? Fuck that. So, um, <laughs> but I will, yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody excitedly tries to tell me about Jethro Tull, but I'm like, eh. anyway, mm. I got to ask. <laughs> okay. That's where we went. Uh, you want to move on? <laughs> I think we should. Good transition. Really yes. nice. Real smooth right here. Yeah. Ah, I go, I I'll work on that. That way. Let me. Alrighty. Uh, you want me to tell you uh, the one thing I've been watching that I, I actually had something to say about? <laughs> uh, 20 minutes in. Yes, please. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I wonder if the self-deprecating comments are actually as funny to other people as they are to us. <laughs> I don't know how they feel time. Um, accordion or so near. we finished yeah. a series. Ooh. Finally, we actually finished one. We're in the middle of so many different ones. Uh, we finished a, a series called The Tenth Kingdom, which I mentioned before was like a like a early 2000s precursor to Once Upon a Time. Right. Uh, fairy tale story, 
going through a portal, which is in this case, a magic mirror takes them into the fairy tale realm where they meet uh, trolls and snow white and the dwarves and the big bad wolf and various other characters. So uh, this one ended up being much deeper in the end than I thought. It's really goofy. Mm-hmm. It's really like silly and slapsticky almost at times with the theme, the like they can't get the tone figured out, <laughs> but it's kind of charming. Yeah. There's a couple points in the, in the series where you can full on see the camera guy in shot. <laughs> like, yeah. Like it's charming. Um, <laughs> but when it got to the end, they did something like old time fairy tales where shit got dark. Okay. <laughs> like I was like, whoa, okay. I did not expect that. And uh, it ends up being, I'll give big picture theme. It ends up being about uh, mother trauma, healing oh. your stuff about your mom and um, the what I loved about it is near the end in like the last the last episode is just like what show is this because they they set up a lot of stuff that you're just kind of thinking is going to go nowhere because it's a silly show and it, the writing is weird and the acting is way over the top. But in the last episode, they really take their time with some character development. Uh, the the main character, this is not a, a spoiler because you find this out early on, the main character's mother abandoned her. Mm-hmm. And then they keep mentioning offhand that she's like cold and distant and she keeps people at arm's length. And you, I didn't really think they were going to try to link those together. But there's, it's, a, it's a lazy writing trope to say <laughs> one of your parents is gone. Like one of your yeah. parents oh, is dead or, or both parents are dead. Place. It's crazy how often that one is used. And I, I mean, I think there's there's definitely, it is a valuable tool to like m- give your character some depth and some yeah, tragedy. Yeah, I don't think there are that many dead parents. No, but it's how so- how many of like all of the shows. But think about how universal it is. Like everybody r- relates to the story of the orphan. I mean, yeah. Luke Skywalker, uh, Harry Potter, I mean, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, they normally when you have a character that lost their mother or uh, like that, mm-hmm. they don't give them time to talk about what happened. And it's more just like, oh, we just know that background in this person. Yeah, that is the explanation. But in the last episode, there are several scenes that are like meaty acting scenes that are entirely devoted to her talking about how hard it was right and how and the impact that it had and it went from like hilarious like not believable acting over the top to like holy shit like damn that was moving like the actress did a crazy good job and then the way that it resolves i won't give away any spoilers the way that it resolves is like I mean, it's very, very Star Warsy in the like redemption of the father, and then the father dies, kind of that mm-hmm. tragic sort of thing. 
wow, it, I, I, it blew me away. I really, really dug it. Um, it's super silly. So go into it with that in mind that it's yeah. like, like uh, silly props and acting and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah, I really liked it. Nice. Once Upon a Time is a lot like that, too. They, they doled it out to both parents, which is nice. There's a lot of mother wound in most things. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of mother wound in most people just by yep. having been separated from this human you were so incredibly connected with. It resonates very universally. I yeah. mean, father wound, too. So, Oh, what show? Uh, repeating Tenth Kingdom, is it? The Tenth Kingdom, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, thanks for asking, Katie. <laughs> I think, think we talked about it last time because I was talking about how it's challenging to recommend Xena Warrior Princess. Yeah, yeah. This is so similar. <laughs> kooky and weird and probably you can see. Like, what yeah. I love is it's like done in New Zealand and a bunch of the same actors will play different warlords. Yeah. Like, catch warlords <laughs> that leads one time and I was like, oh, we ran out of a person. I don't know. Put a hat on this guy. Uh, let's no just get that guy it. again. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely silly. It's on Amazon Prime. And it's really, I, I found it much more enjoyable than I expected. It, it was goofy in up until the last episode. And then the last episode was like, oh, damn. Okay, that journey was worth going on. Nice. I watched many a thing this week. I also watched some beat 'em up shoot 'em up. I know I said last uh, two episodes ago, three episodes ago, that I wanted to watch the trilogy of of the bad boys movies yeah yeah let's talk about it i'm going to talk about that in a second but i want to talk about extraction extraction is on netflix right now with chris hemsworth i saw the trailer for it yeah yeah so it is intense the idea is a he is hired to go get a gangster's son who had been kidnapped and then return him it's a little more complicated than that but so on one hand it's this one giant beautiful man who is apparently very skilled at this thing of, I don't know, not dying to extracting. do. Extracting. Extracting. But also other things. He's probably like a the Terminator is good at terminating. This guy is good at extracting. <laughs> well, yeah, in this case, he's extracting. But in other cases, he's probably killed for money and other mm. such things. He's just hired for the really challenging thing. So on one sure. hand, it's a really sweet general action flick where you've got the dude who can, you know, go into a room of 20 people with guns and not get shot and get the thing and do the stuff. So on one hand, it's that, and it's intense, and uh, most of the scenes go bigger than you think that they will, and he gets the right kind of beat up and bedraggled throughout the whole thing. Uh, so that's one version of the, of the experience. Somewhere in the middle there, I recognized that technically this guy... Is he flies in from Australia into India? So it's this giant, beautiful white man shooting a whole bunch of brown people and solving brown people's problems, and then it gets really ridiculous and extreme. You mean like all movies? <laughs> no, I know, I know. It's like it's strange. It's so yeah. strange. The giant, beautiful white man, super muscly, strong white man, comes in uh-huh. and shoots all the brown people who are causing each other problems. Uh, but it gets at some point it gets so ridiculous that it looks like a video game where there's like you don't even see faces. It's just like and, yeah. and blood and quah. it's like who cares? It's just another. Uh, so I was thinking about it in that frame, and then I was like, well, but on the other hand. Here's an instance where this is a movie where there's actually only two white people in it at all. 
and a whole lot of brown people get to be paid and have lines and have characters and do stuff. And like, I imagine there are brown people that don't get shot too, right? <laughs> yeah, just a couple. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I had the thought and I held it. I held it here, as we say. You don't have to shut off your critical mind to have, have an yeah. expansive experience. It was just a aggressive fun to, to be a part of. Is, it, is this a recommend or a meh? See, I get a lot of joy out of watching giant men do things that are athletic. Sure. I don't know why. Can we so. do <laughs> You why you don't I enjoy a giant beautiful man just like smashing people places it's just i don't similar reasons that i do <laughs> yeah right so i was just like what you want is like oh it's all dangerous and then and then he saves everything and then you just want to like cuddle <laughs> i think that's what most people get out of action movies they're like oh yeah cuddle that <laughs> can we can we talk about good beat em up shoot em up? Well, so no, it's it's good. It does the thing it's supposed to do. It's intense okay. and it's dramatic. Yeah. And uh, I just I just had a, like a small voice being like, dude, it's this is so like a the white guy is huge and he comes and saves and then he kills all the yeah. Uh, but it reminded me of Bad Boys, which was interesting. After after Bad Boys, I want to talk about some like recommends, like because right. I have a couple that popped into my head that I'm like, have you seen Blank? So Bad sure. Boys first up. So Bad Boys is interesting. I I hadn't, I'd wanted to see the third one, and I held on to it for a while, and I was like, I should I should I should do the track. I should just start at one. What's really interesting is, outside of its time, it had actually some fairly strong ask female characters in all of the movies and it was a very interesting thing because we're dropped into Miami which is a very colorful place and I think what's his name? Is it Chaz Paul? No. What's the guy? Ah, I don't remember the actor's guy but they're Joe Pentaleone? Yeah. I don't know. Cypher from The Matrix. Right. He's the only pale person in the whole Western movie. Mm. any, Any I guess the Vikings kid gets to be in the uh, third one. He's huggable, too. I like him Who, in Vikings. Who's that? What's his name? Sometimes I know his name. Vikings he plays Bjorn kid. in Vikings. He was the tech seen... guy, the giant tech guy in the third movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But it's fascinating because, like, I forgot that Wusa came from the second movie. Apparently that, like, apparently you're theoretically meditating and getting into a calm state by saying Wusa. Uh, which I saw and remembered for the first time in the middle of Weeds. Hmm. It's freaking hilarious because all three movie arcs are about Martin Lawrence's character, not Mike Lowry, whatever his character, Marcus? Mm. Marcus. Marcus. Marcus Good job. is going through a spiritual arc of attempting to be a better person from mm. the first movie through the, through the final one. And Marcus's solutions for everything is to just shoot stuff and punch it and make it go away. I mean, Michael Lowry, whatever. Yeah, so, Mike's. Yeah, they play out that whole evolution through the, all three movies, which is pretty dang fun. And also weird. Because, well, like, Lethal Weapon has, like, Mel Gibson is just crazy dude and 
Danny Glover is all, I just kind of want to sit down sometimes because I'm old. They don't actually talk about evolving as people. Mm-mm. In their, and I don't know if it's not specifically about evolving as people. If within a beat 'em up, shoot 'em up sort of series, they actually self-assess whether they need to be causing this much damage. Yeah. And could be taking other ta- tactics. Well, I think the third one is a really good example of how if you take talented filmmakers and writers and you give them like two movies that maybe didn't have that much thought put into them, but they were like, okay, given those storylines, where does this go? Where should it go? Where's the most compelling and interesting place for it to go? And there's character journey mm-hmm. on everybody. The third movie is like, wow, like yeah. that was really not bad. Well, they peel it open in the second one, though. Mm-hmm. The second one is very much uh, Martin Lawrence's character attempting to calm down and try new things. And the conflict that the two of them are having is that Mike keeps shooting. Like, you can't, you can't, you know, talk to witnesses that are dead. You can't, like, there's, like, and they're, they're finding that conflict of, like, maybe, maybe there's another way. There's a different yeah. path. And he's... <laughs> Violently trying to to find his inner wisdom and calm, yeah. but he doesn't quite get there until the third movie, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I also just as a side note, the uh, the main villain, um, I don't want to spoil anything uh, of the, the the kind of assassin, the guy on the black motorcycle, you know, in the third one. Uh, damn. <laughs> you want to hug him? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we cuddle now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everyone is fucking beautiful. Yeah. In the third movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Very I nice. don't know who that guy is, but I was like, I want to see you in more things, please. <laughs> yeah. He was great. Definitely. Well done. I liked how spooky and I love, I love the villain, the villain in the, I isn't, doesn't the villain in the third movie get the first scene? I think it opens. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's got a very creepy, uh, like, uh, witchy kind of thing, and like almost a, a Silence of the Lambs bit of yeah. uh, homage there. It was good. I, it was really good. It was like, huge. damn, yeah, I, I really liked the whole thing, and it wasn't like huge in the like we're gonna save the whole world or even save the whole country or save the whole city. It was a pretty personal story, but um, really enjoyable. Definitely. So, um, can we talk about like a couple of like really good beat 'em up, shoot 'em up movies I that I, I can I can recommend wholeheartedly? I suppose we could. So, uh, I just want to run through a list here. Have you seen The Raid? I don't know. It's not in English. Okay. But it is well worth your time if you like the beat 'em up, shoot 'em up kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Did you see a movie called Upgrade? Probably not. Bit of a sci-fi future kind of thing, but really interesting premise. And the action sequences are bordering on the Matrix level of unique. When I say, like, when the Matrix came out, you'd never seen anything like that. Then everybody, like, uh, ripped it off. But there are some scenes, the way that they're shot are so cool and they're motivated by the story like it actually makes sense for them to be shot in this way yeah and it's awesome i really dug it it's got a um 
good plot. It's definitely got layers and that one's interesting. Uh, I'm, I, th- this one's going back a little further, but um, did you see the Tom Cruise movie Edge of Tomorrow? Oh, no, that's on my list. You told me I needed to see that. That is well worth your time as well. Yeah. And uh, talk about character journey. Like that's one where the whole point of it is look at the journey this character goes on through this movie. And uh, and he's despicable. It's so fun to watch Tom Cruise be a fucking jackass. Like it's really great that he starts out as just hateable. Yeah. Here's here's where I am with the, like the action flicks. And this is why... Uh, one of one of my journeys to a movie theater with a gentleman went really poorly for me. Uh, it was the first time I, had, I watched um, Guardians of the Galaxy in Whoa. the theater, and it. I heard it was going to be such a great movie, but it was very distracting because I both get very excited about who the people are and the more sweaty and kicking ass they are. I'd like, oh, they're sexy as fuck. Yay. There's that version. But also, since I'm so in it, I'm like, I'm a badass. I'm kicking all the asses. And we're in it together. Like, I'm on the couch. We're in the theater. I'm like, we're kicking the asses and shooting the things. And ah. And so, also, horrible things happen that have to be overcome. So, they're my mm. favorite way to drop into the muscle memory of all of my ancestors who fucking got yeah. beat up and still survived or killed people and are still here because that's how it works. Um, and it's easier for me to like be with those ancestors than the ones that just sort of hid places and have a lot of worry and anxiety. <laughs> it's not as useful for me. I don't like need to, uh-huh. I don't need to watch that movie. But <laughs> <laughs> so I went to this show with this guy and uh, I think we'd already had a phone call to agree that we weren't going to be pursuing something. I think I was like, I'm going to pursue this thing with someone else. We had made out at one point, and it was all right. But I was like, but I just really want it. We both like Marvel movies. we got to see this. And um, apparently it's a thing that people go to movies to, like, touch each other. Oh. I've heard this rumor, right? No. Uh-uh. <laughs> Only shitty movies. You so, can't. Don't. I'm watching a thing, please. Yeah. So I'm <laughs> next to this guy. He's like a big dude. He's like, it's fine, whatever. And we're like, we're, we're friend people now. We're not doing any of that. We're just like two people who love Marvel movies going to see this thing because it's supposed to be good. And the whole time he's doing that, like, like slowly inches hand to my thigh. <laughs> and inside, um... Like, eventually, I was like, you know, I just don't need that. It took a while for me to go from, like, I'm watching the movie, and, like, I wanted to just yell over, and, like, I'm a fucking warrior right now. (laughs) It was so confusing to have, like, like, of course I want to cuddle these people, right? That's part of the energy. Read the situation, dude. (laughs) Like, the conflicting, like, I'm being touched on my thigh. I like that, but that's not like I'm killing yeah. things. Yeah. Like, blood nope. flows to different places when we're killing things. Mm-hmm. Generally, anyway. I am 100% in agreement. And I know people who uh, who argue this point and are like, no, it's super fun. And I, n- not, no. Like, no, I, actually- if I'm, if I'm going to go, yeah, exactly. If I'm going to go into a movie, uh, I am going to absorb this experience especially if it's something that I like. I've even tried to go to movies that I thought were going to be shitty yeah. to do that. Oh, no. And then 
it ended up being like mildly entertaining. And I was like, nope, can't do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's also this person I don't know well enough. Yeah, there's, no, there's that's, like, uh, uh, that's there's like a knowing someone another to point. Degree <laughs> where you can be touching another her- person that you've been with for a while and everybody's a warrior and that's fine. Yeah. That's not what was happening. I totally oh, feel you. Yeah. So, <laughs> pun. <laughs> totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever. Um, okay, so add those three. Like, yeah. the, like, especially when it comes to the kind of, the like the diehard experience of making it through an ordeal. The yeah. raid will leave you exhausted at the right. end, but it's so, so, so satisfying. Like, just to be clear, if there was no raid, there's no John Wick. Like, John Wick happened because the raid happened right. and it is so good yeah um, i haven't made it through john wick because i can't watch the scene that is the inciting event. oh you gotta skip skip that scene just know that that it happened and then be like okay but will there's you, no there's no you tell an- me what minute that is <laughs> yeah uh, i'll look it up for you okay. be like just like from this point to this point skip <laughs> yeah because i'm like no it's, yeah I can't. and then i stopped i couldn't do it it's so good though like you should right it's worth it Uh, as long as i can start from from after the thing i mean i I get the point of why they have to make something that awful happen because uh he's the angel of death like like he has to they have to do something that justifies him being like okay i'm gonna kill all of you (laughs) god and we watch these things so that we don't become people who kill all the people. Uh, th- that's one of the, my most important realizations about, and I, I actually remember hearing, of all people, Penn Gillette, yeah, the magician, make this point that he was like, people who say that violence and violent movies causes violence do not understand violence. He He's like, because he makes the point that he says, he believes that magic tricks mm-hmm. that are um, pr- that are that are tricks but appear to be dangerous. He gives the example of like a bullet catch, where people will pretend that someone shoots a bullet at them and they catch it in their hands or their teeth or some shit like that. And he says that to give the impression that that is actually really what you're doing is morally and ethically wrong because Mm -hmm. what you're saying is this thing that if you go try it you will die i'm really doing it but i'm really not it's just a trick but i'm really doing it and but he says he contrasts that with violent movies and video games where he's like there the violence is supposed to look real but we all know that it's not and that's what makes it um, a, a cathartic release and not a celebration of something. It is um, it, it is a way to tap into things and let them off the leash a little bit in a yep. safe environment so that you don't have that kind of latent aggression that's causing you to twitch all the time. Yeah, well, the other thing is we've got all of this cortisol flowing through that we don't use that frequently. Yeah for the useful stuff. So yeah. getting one's adrenaline up every now and then like that is very useful. We're, I, we're getting a question. My friend Katie is asking, what happens 
So there were, you know, in the olden days when in uh, there was a rule that you didn't see vomit on TV. That was one of the rules in American culture was that vomit happened. You might have heard it, but it happened off screen. They broke that rule. And there's another rule that happens in this culture that doesn't happen in other cultures where animals are, if anything happens to an animal, it generally happens off screen too. This, uh, something awful happens to an animal. I have a friend who cannot, just cannot watch any, any movie. She needs like full warning ahead of time to make sure, because she'll just sob for a week. Yeah. Because if anything horrible happens to animals. Yeah. So, I mean, it's in the first five minutes. No, no, it, it it's the it it takes twenty minutes of setup at least before it happens. But um, I, my my recollection is that they don't show it. They might show the aftermath, but they they only there's only the sound, which is yeah. awful. But yeah, I'm a very sound person. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I, so I'll, I'll tell you when to skip. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what's funny is I actually had similar challenges when I was watching, kind of. What was it? Ah, Daredevil, Marvel's Daredevil, but the movie or the TV show? The TV show. Yeah, uh, had some ridiculously over the top gruesome that I just couldn't like. I was flinching. But worse than that was Jessica Jones' first season. There were so many episodes and scenes where I couldn't figure out how to hands myself so I could like, um, <laughs> like how could I plug my ears? cover my eyes but catch up on the action because there were I so many I loved that season the, the the first season of both those shows yeah but really I probably I don't I don't know I don't think I could pick but the first season of both of them are amazing like I had a really profound experience watching first season of Daredevil but Jessica Jones with like the David Tennant villain as like this weird like back and forth narcissist sociopath that you can't quite get a read on it's so it was so good there's oh. so many trigger warnings on that show for a lot no of shit like experienced abuse but what's interesting is it's actually finally i think season two three two like it's finally one of the first shows in this vein that actually talks about trauma and is real yeah. with it. And oh yeah, that's the whole premise of the first season. Is this is what PTSD looks like? Mm-hmm. And uh, and then in the second season, double double dose of you know mom wounding and other trauma and how do you heal it? Like, whew. well, the PTSD. The thing that's so cool about that that premise is it's this is someone who's literally invincible or effectively <laughs> invincible. And yeah. she has PTSD. That's like brilliant. It's brilliant mm-hmm. to put those two things together to be like, it doesn't matter how strong you are. It doesn't matter how skilled you are. It doesn't matter. Like that wounding is beside all of that. Also, wasn't she invincible when she yes. was being emotionally abused? Yeah, that was kind yep. of the point. That's why yep. he kept her. Yep. Because <sighs> she was a perfect, oh, dude, so it's hard. so good. That Yeah, amazing. All right. So a- add those movies, um, okay. The Raid, Upgrade, and uh, Edge of Tomorrow. I think I can Edge of Tomorrow soon. I'll see yeah. if I can find the others. Edge of Tomorrow is an easy watch. It's not disturbing in any way. The Raid and Upgrade are both tense. They're, they're rated R, and they have some rated R stuff in it. But, I mean, not, not, not worse than a lot of things that you've seen. There's no animal stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's fine. I... Yeah. 
Yeah, I have funny, funny bits of when I, I just, it just depends probably on what time of the month it is because <laughs> as a female person, I, my shit cycles and sometimes I have the endurance and flexibility to, to watch something yeah. like a Spartacus blood and, and, and sputum. And, um, hey, so I have to leave in 10 minutes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, you want to do your last one? Cause I kind of yeah, yeah. wanted to hear this one. Okay. So I've been watching sex ed. Super slowly because I've been watching it like an episode every week for like I don't know, a couple few months. I've heard really, really good things. Freaking good. It's Jillian yeah. Anderson, isn't it? I think we're in season two right now. Here's what's weird. So it's set in a high school, I think somewhere UK. That's my guess. I keep I keep I'm like, where the hell are these people? <laughs> where is this place? Uh, but I haven't Googled it. So sex ed is the son of a sex, sexual therapist somehow begins to become a, a sex ed coach at his high school. Shenanigans happen and suddenly people are coming to him for sex, sexual advice. Except in the first episode you learn he's not that into the sensation that happens in his penis. Uh, he can't seem to masturbate. It's really uncomfortable for him. Uh, and he's never had sex, but now he is guiding all of these other high school students. So, like, it's crazy. But what's interesting about the show is all of these teenagers seem to be kind of willing to tell each other the truth and weirdly able to share their emotions in ways that haven't shown up in other things. And so, so they're pretty uh, complex. They're aliens. <laughs> they're aliens. Yeah, they're all kind of complex and interesting. And, uh, like, even the bullies get kind of like everybody's sort of fully, fully de- developed. It's very, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very yeah. But it's funny. It's well timed. I I think it's delightful. I both get inspired by life. But then the thing that I was finding myself grumpy about this last week, I don't recall which episode I watched. This conflict that shows up all over the place, and I might be made differently than people have been conditioned to be. So, apparently, it's not okay to feel romantic feelings about more than one person at a time or sexual attraction to more than one person at a time. Apparently, there's this whole slew of, like, rules in cultures about, like, oh, if somebody's into this person, I can't be into that person. If somebody's decided they have a crush on them, I can't pursue them, even though they're interested in me and not you. And, um... Oh my gosh, I have feelings for two people that I'm supposed to pick. I'm just like, what? Why haven't we evolved outside of like, people can just have their fucking feelings. And attraction happens all over the place because we're human connecty types. And why are all these like weird boundaries and rules happening? Because like, if they're attracted to the person I'm also attracted to, we just see that a person is attractive. It just makes sense. I don't know. I think I'm... I like how I'm made. I appreciate the thing about me that I like that people are attracted to all kinds of people and it makes sense to me. But it's just... I'm a little annoyed. Especially as an actor and musician knowing full well that the humans that are portraying these weird rules that someone else is writing are absolutely more fluid in their attractions and who they get to touch. and play. Right. I think it's so annoying that 
the people we pay fuck tons of money to are selling something they don't even live. Yeah, I I agree with that. I often wonder, like, if you look at, you know, you take somebody who, you know, has a personal chef and like uh, body work done every day. They have a spa and a gym that follows them around in a van. And they have, you know, people monitoring their hormones and all this. And then you ask that person to like play uh, like a homeless person or like play a, 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 a serial killer or something right. like how do you how do you have any idea like we have there's a disconnect in our brains because we look at those people and you go oh okay that's what a serial killer looks like and you're like no they don't <laughs> now <clears throat> there's uh, definitely other stuff going on yeah um and and it's just it's like an honesty thing. They're like all actors are liars. Um yeah. and obviously they're trying to be as truthful as possible. And and to me, that's what we pay them for is like if you can show me something that I'm like, that's real. That's like like oh <laughs> the the movie Hereditary, which we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Anybody watching? Don't watch it. It's it don't watch it. It's it's amazing. Don't watch it. Yeah. Um <laughs> uh Tony Collette is one of my favorite actresses on the fucking planet. And she, she really, yeah, I didn't know that. Um, she portrays emotional experiences that are like, it's like watching a documentary where somebody's really having that emotional response. And you're like, Oh, that's what a human who goes through something that horrible. That's what they look like. And like, you you think about like how hard that's got to be to like put yourself in that space and be like it, like when you're reading a script and you're like do I really want to live through this do mm-hmm. I really want to go through this emotional experience to play this character yeah i got in i was in a 24 hour play festival and one of the writers i was on his team and he just liked my acting so much that he decided to write a character arc where I'm supposed to have an emotional, like a mental breakdown on stage. <laughs> At this point in my life where all I was attempting to do was figure out where my center was. And I, I tried to yes and that for like 60 minutes. And I said, I, I cannot lean into this and go fully. Yeah. I am so honored that you think that I can. And I fortunately we had another actor that could, but boy, whoo! Yeah, Those I mean, I, I think take that seriously because, like, uh, I remember hearing an interview um, with Patrick Stewart where he was talking about how he can't watch a lot of his earlier performances because he said that um, he was very good at all emotions except anger. Mm. And he said that it was because his father used to beat his mother and he's actually very um, involved in like anti um, violence movements and different things and um, is an advocate. Um, But he couldn't allow himself to go into that. So it, he's like, I can watch it and I can, I can see that I'm forcing it, that I'm faking it. And he's like, it's awful and it's painful. And he said it was getting into therapy and doing work with therapists on those emotional traumas that opened up that realm. And he's like, now it's fine. Now I have access to it. And he was 
advocating like this is why you need to do that work. And I think that's true whether you're an actor or not. Like those things are off limits to you and you don't know. It's it's like having an arm tied behind your back, but you don't even remember that you have that arm anymore. You forgot about the arm and you're just walking around like, oh, well, this is just the way that it is. Right. But when you go through and heal that trauma by whatever means therapy or um watching movies and TV, like all of a sudden an arm comes back and you realize how limited that you have been because of the places that were off limits because there's trauma and wounding there. Yeah. Well, that's one of the nice things that we get to help people figure out with this show is the idea that sometimes even if you're not ready to experience those emotions, perhaps you can let your monkey and mirror neurons have someone else do the the traveling and the the healing and the journey for you. Yeah. Recognize Desensitize it. Have, have things shift and turn on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On that note, I got to run because I have like 30 seconds until my next call. So uh, TV Deeply, folks. Yes, um, yes. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll be back next week. Same bat chime, same bat channel. <laughs> no, you don't yes, remember that? indeed. All the bats <laughs> will be there. Yeah. All right. Have a great day. <laughs> Bye. Bye.